Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Bechukhoisai Shvi, the seventh and last Aliyah in Pashas Bechukhoisai, and also the last Aliyah of Sefer Vayikra. Our Aliyah is six Pesukim long, running from Perak Chav Zayin, Pasuk Chavtes to Lamed Dalid. The main topic is the Cherem. However, we'll talk, uh, we will touch on um, different types of Maaser as well. The basic overview of our Aliyah is in the first Pasuk says a very strong statement where it says, Kol cherem, any cherem, which we know talked about as some sort of hektesh dedication, that is made min ha'adam, on a person, lo yipodeh, cannot be redeemed, moisumos, that person must die. Very strange what that means. We'll come back to that in a moment. Then we hear about ma'asara oretz, the tithe of the land. This is referring to, as is understood by the Mepharshim, referring to ma'aser sheni. There's the first tithe is given to the Levium. The second tithe is brought to Yerushalayim to be eaten there by the owners. It just has a level of added Kedusha which requires it to be eaten in Yerushalayim. But if a person is not able to bring it to Yerushalayim, they may redeem it onto money and use that money in Yerushalayim. But there has to be an added fifth as when, when, when one is um, redeeming that which is holy. Then we hear about the end of the Aliyah, about the idea of Ma'aser Bakor Vatsan, the tithing of one's livestock. What happens is one puts them in a pen, allows them to come out, and Kol anything which comes out under the rod, the tenth one will be holy to Hashem. And a person can't make any choices and say, I'll give these ten scrawny ones. A person has to take whatever comes out tenth as well. And finally, the Torah concludes this by the Sefer by saying, these are the commandments that Hashem commanded Moshe to the nation of Israel on Mount, the mountain of Sinai, thereby closing the loop on the beginning of Parshas Bahar, which is where this whole section started, Bahar and Bechukos, forming one unit here as well. Now let's just understand this. What is this cherem that's being described here? In the previous aliyah, there was a cherem described that was, uh, sounds like some sort of hektesh on a person's property. Here we hear a cherem which talks about a person dying for. What does that mean exactly? So Rav Hirsch points out that the notion of cherem actually is a little bit different to that of hektesh. Hektesh is where I dedicate something to the base of Mikdash. And if, it's a, if it, it happens to be a kosher animal, which can be a karban, it'll become a karban. But if it's not, which in many cases it's not, a person is dedicating their piano, as an example, that goes to the Beraka Bias Fund, the base of Mikdash Fund, and that goes for many things, including the upkeep of the base of Mikdash as well. So when a person says a cheirem, um, Rashi had pointed out that it could be two recipients, the kohanim or the base of Mikdash, the cheirem actually is slightly different in the following sense. As Rav Hirsch points out, when something is holy, once, when something is hektesh, it has two elements to it. One is it, is it has added level of Kedusha, that's a positive value. And the other is that it cannot be used for any mundane activity. That's the negative outcome of that. When it comes to regular hektesh, the first idea is accentuated, that it's holy, it's special. The second idea is implied, that you can't use it for mundane activities. When it comes to a cherem, a cherem seems to be primarily exclusatory. The, the second idea is being accentuated of it's not being able to use the mundane activity, and the first idea of being holy is implied. So it's, it's a more severe and restrictive type of, um, of dedication as well. Now, what does it mean that the person will die if they made into a cherem? Very strange statement. What does that mean exactly? Rashi says we're talking about a very unusual situation. Not that making a cherem means to say that you need to kill somebody, God forbid, but it's referring to a person who makes a cherem of a dead person. What does that mean? A person who's on death row. They've just been sentenced to death by base 10. And a person says, I will give the value 
of that person, or I'll give the person on death row says, I'll give the value of myself to the base of Migdash. In that case, it doesn't work. There's no value which a person can render to the holiness in this case because the person has already been dec decreed to be put to death. So it's a very specific case. It's not that the, the, this dedication is causing the death, it is, it is not valid because the person is going to be put to death. That's where Rashi understands, quoting the Sifriya, Sifra and the Mirsh and the Gomorian Erechen Davvov. However, the Ramban says that perhaps it's referred to over here is two versions of how a cherem can work. This is a very famous and very important Ramban. The Ramban says is if a person says that something I own is a cherem, that becomes holy like hektish. So a person owns a cow, a person owns a, um, owns a piano, a person says this is a cherem, it belongs to the base of Mingdash now. That's version one of cherem. But let's say a person makes a cherem or something which is not theirs. Then in that case, actually, the dedication over there is, is in order to destroy it rather than to utilize it. So as an example, um, we will see many cases of this, is it is, an, it, is an inter, it is of the interest of the mahrim, the person making the cherem, they don't want to use it. They want to make sure this is not usable. Very famous and very obvious example is in Parshas Chukas, when the nation of Israel are attacked by, unbeknownst to them, it is the nation of Amalek, but they're dressed up as Canaanites. The, the, Israel, the reason why the Canaanites dress up as, as Canaanites is they want Israel to pray to God for success over the wrong people. The nation of Israel are confused by the fact that they hear one language, see a different dress, and they say to Hashem, If you're going to give this nation, because I don't know which nation it is, I'll make a cherem their cities. That does not mean to say that we're making them part of the base of Migdash. That means to say we're going to burn them down to the ground because we're not going to take anything from this. This is not going to be a battle for profit. That's when it doesn't belong to oneself as well. Other examples of where a cherem is used in this kind of context is the end of a sefer shoftim. Not the Parshas Shoftim, but the book of Shoftim in Nach, where there is a civil war in which, in which the tribes of Israel believe that Binyamin is acting out or defending by murderers and uh, rapists. And they call upon all of Israel to fight against Binyamin. And everybody comes to this battle except for one little area called Yavesh Gilad, which is on the Transjordan. They do not come to this battle. But... After the battle is finished and the, the, in, almost the entire tribe of Binyamin is wiped out in a terrible civil war, at that point in time, they go to the city of Yavish Gilad and they kill all of them, except for the women. Um, why did they kill them? How could they be doing this? Says the Ramban, because they made a cherem. They said that anybody who doesn't come to this battle is in cherem. That was what the, the, the leadership had said at that time. And because Yavesh Gilad ignored that call under a cherem, they were liable for death. Another example of Moisumas. In this way, the Ramban's looking at it. The cherem over here is actually prescriptive, not descriptive. So unlike Rashi, who's saying the cherem is not effective on a person who's already been put to death, here, when a person is making a cherem on, on a situation like this, where let's say people don't come to battle, there's a cherem upon them, or they're going to fight the enemies, and there's a cherem upon the enemies, that means to say they are going to reduce them, they are going to destroy them as well. This is another example of Ramban says in Tanakh, is um, in Sefer Shmuel, where Yonatan is... Um, 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 is go going to be killed. What happens is he goes out to battle with his arms bearer, uh, fight a miraculous battle. Shaul is in the rear guard and he, say he wants to pursue the enemies and he makes a cherem that nobody should eat anything until they capture the enemies because he wants to make sure nobody's sitting down to eat lunch. He wants everybody to capture the enemies while the miracle is ongoing. Yonatan, not hearing this shavua, tastes from the honey in the, the, the Yaros Devash, in, the, in the, this particular um, honey-laden forest. Um, at which point in time, the, when this is found out, the Yishol feels that he is compelled to kill Yonatan. Why is he killing Yonatan? 
Because he, until the nation saved his, saved his son. Why is that? Because he made a cherem, a game. This was a, 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 a almost a vow or shavua of, of death to be put upon people who do a certain action or in a certain locale. The Ramban goes on to explain it. Unfortunately, the Ramban does not have a long and extensive commentary on, on Neviyam and Ksuvim, but we do get his commentary in places like this where he expands. And he, and he explains that, in fact, this is what went wrong with Yiftach in Sefer Shoftim. Yiftach comes back from a very successful campaign in the Transjordan against Moab and Ammon. And he says, anything that comes out of my, my house, the first thing that comes out will be to Hashem, will be um, dedicated to Hashem. And unfortunately, what, what walked out first of his house was his own dear daughter. And um, there's disputes as to how to read the, the continuing psukim. But either he kills her or he, um, he, he bans her and, and, and leaves her to live a celibate life. Both the tragic, each way tra tragic in his own way. Um, what, what was the mistake here, says the Ramban? He was completely mistaken. Because he thought the cherem was based on this pasuk in Araliyah that any any cherem which was made a per, uh, to, to Hashem should be should be killed. He thought it was prescriptive in this case, and that was incorrect. You cannot make a cherem about a person to kill in in, in such a way. It does it does not work. Um, you cannot you can elevate people, you can elevate their values, but you can't make a cherem of a person to kill them or to make them celibate. And that's why Yiftach was punished for 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 actually carrying on this particular um, this particular line of of action. Finally, just it's interesting. Interesting to point out that Ramban does quote that Chazal do include many mitzvahs in our Pasuk. So one ex example, as Rashi had said, not to evaluate a person on death row. Another one is making enemies or property into a cherem. And the other one is not transgressing the words of a king or based in all that the Chazal see all of those words in the single Pasuk as well. Um, finally, two, two more questions. Number one is, is why does Master Abraham need to go under the rod? Surely you can just... Um, um, you go look at your cattle, count up and say, oh, there's a hundred of them. So I'm going to give a tenth, ten of them to... to uh, um, to my said, why do I need to do this whole process of letting them out and then putting uh, putting down the rod and you know slapping some paint on the tenth one? Why is that necessary? So the first is it seems to be a pragmatic issue of loyvake ben tovlara, as the pasuk says, that you shouldn't choose between good and good and bad because what will end up happening is you'll give the 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 most uh, the, the smallest and the, the most diseased of your animals you'll give to to my said, That's not the way it works. It's going to be completely random. Another part is, is that a person gets more of a sense of appreciation of what they have when they have to count nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's all me. Uh, Baruch, you gave that to me. I'll give one to you. That, putting that in perspective is not like giving 10 animals. It's like keeping 90. And that's why the psychologically it works as well. Finally, one very interesting law, um, uh, aspect that we'll co conclude that earlier on a more spiritual level, the Gomorrah Shabbos tells us to have Kuf Dalad Amun Aleph, a very interesting observation. It says, Mantzafach Sofim Amrum. Mansafach. What is Mansafach? That refers to the five letters in the Hebrew alphabet which have what's called Sophios. Letters which are changed somewhat when they are at the end of a letter. So for instance, the idea is like this. There are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. However, there really are 27 because there's another five permutations of them. What are they? The Mem Sophist, the Nun Sophist, the Tzadi Sophist, the Pe Sophist, and the Chav Sophist. Those are all what's called Sophios. And their acronym is Mansafach. Those are the five letters which have a, 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 a permutation when they are at the end of the word. So the Gemara says, who said these? So the Gemara says, Tzofim Amran, uh, Amarnum. The Tzofim, this is obviously a play of words from Mansafach. The Tzofim means the prophets or the seers, they introduced them. The Gemara says, that doesn't make sense. The so prophets cannot add any extra Torah laws. How do we know that? From the last Pasuk in Araliyah, in our Parsha, and in our Sefer, which is Eile Hametzos. These are the commandments Hashem said to Moshe at Har Sinai, and nobody else is able to Rashayla Chadesh Boy Davar to introduce new laws. You can make 
and rabbinic laws, you can expand, make, make protections, you can um, do drashas, but you can't make new Torah-based laws. So the Gemara says, well, actually, what happened was, is originally, these were actually given at Sinai as well. But the prophets were the ones to unjumble them because what happened was there was there was a loss in tradition as to which or version of the letter should go at the end of the letter and which version of the letter should go at the beginning of the or in the middle of the word. And therefore the prophets unjumbled that and told us which one to use, use at the end. What does that mean exactly? So I mean like couldn't some linguists or grammarians fix that for us as well? So our cook explains in a very powerful essay in Rosh Milin. He says the, the following observation. If you look at all the sophios, all the le letters, which have different permutation at the end of the word, um, almost all of them are where the letter is cramped up, like the nun, the tzadi, the pei, and the chaf, all have a, their line at the bottom is cramped up onto the line. It's bent over onto the line. At the end of the word, it's allowed to be elongated. It goes down straight. It's expansive. The mem, which is not like that, the mem in its regular form in the middle or the beginning of the word has a, a, a pesucha, it has got a gap at the bottom of it. When it's at the end of the word, it is satuma, it is closed, or the word sasum also means um, also um, depth, it has depth or it's got, a, uh, it's got a secret to it. What the tzofim were doing, what the prophets were saying is that Jewish history needs to be seen at the end. During the process of Jewish history, things are cramped, things are complicated, they don't add up, there's holes in things, it's very hard to see. The Tzofim are reminding us that at the end of the story, at the end of the word, when, you, when we get to the final destination, then we'll be able to see the full expansion of those ideas. We'll be able to see the full circle of everything coming full, full circle around. And that's what the Gemara is saying. They didn't introduce them, they remind us that this is where the end of the journey is. And sometimes we make the mistake of looking at the journey in the middle and misunderstanding it on that basis. With this we conclude, Parshas Bechukhaisai and the seventh Aliyah and also Sefer Vayekra. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day and an incredible Shabbos.